Welcome to the Healthful Woman Podcast, the fastest growing podcast in women's health. Today's Monday, March 21st, 2022. I'm joined today by Alicia Ferrier from Fortify Physical Therapy to talk about physical and pelvic therapy in pregnancy and postpartum. Alicia and her physical therapy practice is really interesting because they spend a lot of time focusing on preventative care, meaning they work with women during pregnancy and after delivery to prevent injuries, as opposed to just treating them when they occur. Call it proactive physical therapy. Cool stuff. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. See you Thursday on High Risk Birth Stories. Welcome to today's episode of Healthful Woman, a podcast designed to explore topics in women's health at all stages of life. I'm your host, Dr. Nathan Fox an OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist practicing in New York City. At Helpful Woman, I speak with leaders in the field to help you learn more about women's health, pregnancy, and wellness. Welcome, Alicia. How you doing? Doing good this morning. How are you? Good. I'm so happy you were able to join me in this early morning to record for the podcast. You're taking the time to talk to our listeners about physical therapy, about pelvic physical therapy. Uh, about active women during and after pregnancy. A lot of stuff we're going to cover today. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. This is, uh, this is what I do, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Wonderful. So just for our listeners to get a sense of who you are, give us like a brief story, you know, where you're from, how you got into physical therapy, and all of, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm originally from New Jersey. Yay, go New Jersey. Yeah, I know, not, <laughs> not far. Still currently live there, but I actually I work in Manhattan now, so... Never, never left the, the coop too much. But my intro to PT really started when I was, I grew up as a dancer, a ballet dancer, and, you know, going along with that comes a lot of injuries. So that was how, how I was introduced to it. Starting at college, I was actually a biology major because I wasn't exactly sure what type of medicine I wanted to go into. But from there, lots of observation and, you know, finding out what I really wanted to do. I love the aspect of physical therapy of one, how much I can move as a professional and, you know, keep movement as a big part of my life, but also help people through movement and help people through, you know, really non-invasive means and and help them be active and and stay active that way. So plus I get to talk to people all day, which is something that I really enjoy. (laughs) You're, you're, You're a schmoozer, you're a talker? Absolutely, big time schmoozer. Love, love, big people person. Where did you do your training for PT, for physical therapy? Undergrad, I did at University of Delaware. Grad school, I did here in the city at Columbia. And were you training at the time where it getting a physical therapy degree was a doctorate degree, or is a doctorate degree? Yeah. I, I don't think people realize how much education and training goes into being a physical therapist nowadays, maybe as compared to before. Can you just like let everyone know what you had to do to get to finish? It's pretty crazy. So the the profession has has really evolved over you know the past several years. So it went from a bachelor's to a master's to a doctorate relatively quickly in the span of, you know, the time. So for me, I had four years of undergrad and then went straight into a like accelerated clinical doctorate program that was three years, maybe three and a half really. Um, and that is lots of, you know, it's full, completely full-time didactic and lots of clinical work. The clinical work varies based on the program, which is actually why I chose Columbia because I had a lot of clinical, um, clinical work, which I've really valued. And then, yeah, you, you come out really with a, a very broad knowledge. And then from there, you can start to figure out where you, where you want to go. I think the thing with physical therapy is 
you know, you can do it in a hospital setting, which is really quite different from the outpatient uh, orthopedics, which is also very different from neuro. So there's there's many different routes that you can take, and then there's pediatrics. There's many many specialties, um, but you come out of it with a, a pretty broad knowledge of of how to treat a little bit of everything, and then you go on, go from there and specialize as you as you want. Right. And so when you finished your your initial stage of training, you're already Doctor Alicia Ferrier, right? You're you're a doctor of physical therapy, and what additional training did you do? Like, which direction did you go after your after your uh, time at Columbia? Yeah, so i I had a little bit of pediatrics background because I was really I'm I think development is just really interesting. So I did a little bit of that at Columbia, and then from there, I knew I wanted to go into orthopedics. So I started to I have the certification from the Posture Restoration Institute, which is this school of thought that really focuses on biomechanics, natural asymmetry, how your nervous system kind of keeps your postural system in check. Once I I came out of school, I started to get really heavy into more orthopedic-based clinical training. So there's, you know, I have a few certifications in functional exercise and and, uh, applied functional movement. I have a certification from this place called the Posture Restoration Institute, which really focuses on alignment and natural body asymmetries. And from there, I started to also really, really get interested in the pregnancy, postpartum, and pelvic floor women's health world, and have continued since um, taking education from there. I, I still keep a very, very strong orthopedic education background. Like, I literally just took a course a couple weeks ago that was a dissection course just to, to really kind of further my understanding of not only the pelvic floor, but full anatomy and and really kind of understand a little bit more of how things are working in a in a system so you know different avenues very orthopedic based very um women's health focused with with the attention of trying to keep myself as holistic as possible how did you get interested initially in pregnancy and postpartum space so to speak so i was at my previous job i was actually at a very running heavy athletics focused clinic Um, which was super fun, really great patient population. And I found in that space, I had a lot of both pregnancy and both pregnant and postpartum patients that really just didn't have a lot of guidance on how to manage their exercise or how to get back into running, or maybe they were having some sort of, you know, issue within like physical issue within the pregnancy that they weren't sure what to do. So I was like, oh, this is a this is an opportunity for me to really educate these women and help them in very easy ways. And so from there, that's where I really started to dive a little bit deeper into the pelvic floor. Since we have in, in like in PT school, you're, you're given a little bit of it. And I think it really varies on the program. You're given a little bit of it, but the training is, is much more on the uh, continuing education post-grad end. Um, So I wanted to further my education in, in that in particular. You know, it's interesting. We had on uh, last year a physical therapist who specialize in pelvic therapy, but her practice sounds a lot different from yours. Hers is a lot related uh, more to pain, for example, uh, some incontinence as well, but it wasn't wasn't focused so much on athletes who are running a lot and having pelvic floor from pregnancy because of that. It was really, really much more, I would say, related to pain. She would see like a lot of 
young women who had pain with sex, for example. That was a lot of what she was uh, treating, you know, vaginismus and whatnot. But it sounds like you're focused more on the sort of athletic component of the pelvic floor. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I definitely treat the, you know, the vaginismus, the pain with sex, um, all of that. I, I did find, though, that there was like a, sometimes with, with pelvic floor, there can be a little bit of a gap between treating the pelvic floor and then treating it as a, as a unit and getting that back into function of, of whatever sport that they want to do. So I definitely try and be all-encompassing or, or give as much as I can to treating the acute issue, whatever that might be, whether it be incontinence or you know, pelvic pain, even, you know, pain post postpartum and trying to make sure that they feel comfortable and understand how to get back into whatever type of exercise they want to do. And how did your practice grow in this? Meaning, was it just something that once you started doing it, everyone came out of the woodwork or did you have to specifically advertise for it? No. Yeah. It was super organic. It was, it, it was kind of awesome. Like I, it, even at my, I started at my, my previous job, but word just kind of got around and you know, New York City is full of these little run groups and exercise groups and people who do all this stuff together. So it kind of, it spread pretty organically. I definitely gave a few presentations on it and, you know, try and try and put the word out there a little bit, but people really are kind of seeking out this type of information. So I think when it was, you know, presented, it was, it was easily received. Let's focus now on in pregnancy, what are women coming to see you for? Like what kinds of issues or complaints or pains or problems do they have where they would seek uh, you or, you know, one of your colleagues for physical therapy? So it can really start from something, you know, basic as like just pain. You know, they have sciatic pain, low back pain, SI joint pain, really like the basics of, of why people seek PT period is usually because they're in some sort of physical pain. That's a pretty a standard one that people tend to seek me out for kind of almost feel reassured that it's it's not just something they have to handle because they're just they're pregnant there it's like oh you have you have back pain this is what you have to manage for the next six months it's like no there are definitely things that you can do to to work through that beyond that people can come in if they are trying to remain active in a particular way so if they're trying to either stay active running and they want some guidance behind that or you know, even I, I've had people who are like, how do I modify my Pilates or my yoga and my yoga stuff with, with be keeping in mind that they want to keep the pelvic floor healthy. And there's a lot of, of concern around diastasis and how to prevent for that. And then also too, I have some people coming wanting to really prep for, prep for the labor and delivery process, um, which can really look different depending on the person. But some of that, sometimes that can involve perineal tissue stretching and making sure that the pelvic floor is that they, they're in tune with the pelvic floor and that they understand how to contract and relax and mobilize it so that the muscle tissue stays healthy for that that labor and delivery process. Um, we can also go through push how to how to like generate force downward, which some people have a really easy time with and some people maybe with not so great mind body connections have a difficult time with. Ultimately in that process, you know, their body kind of takes over, but I find that a lot of the times if, if someone goes into that process with confidence of like, okay, I think I know what's going on here, they feel much more in control over the over the situation. So it's really interesting. You're you're talking about almost two different populations of pregnant women. One of them come to see you because there is a problem, right? They're having yep. pain. And mm-hmm. either they I guess they find you however, maybe their their doctor refers them to you or whatever it might be. And then you sort of, you know, assess them, where's the pain, why is the pain, and focus on 
you know, exercises and stretches and strengthening and all the things that you do to help alleviate that pain uh, versus the group that finds you sort of as maintenance or as preparation, meaning I'm, fi I'm fine now, but, you know, I run six miles a day and I, I want to continue to run while I get more pregnant and, you know, not hurt something or, you know, not, exactly. lose, you know, not trip or whatever it might be or in preparation for labor. What, what percentage of your practice now of pregnant women, let's say, would be the former, the ones who come because of pain versus the latter, the ones who are coming sort of to prep for something else? Honestly, it is much more the latter. Wow. Like I think, yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. I find that that like, I love the proactive approach of like, you know, this is what I want to do and I want to stay healthy. And, and I find too, a lot of people, there's a lot more of the, the pelvic floor awareness, especially postpartum. So sometimes I see people just once because they want to kind of form a little bit of a relationship and be like, okay, this is what my, my baseline is so that when I come in postpartum, we know what we're kind of working with and we know that just like a, a baseline of where, where they're at. But I would definitely say a, a lot more, you know, aches and pains come up, don't get me wrong, but I think to seek out my my services is much more the preventative or, or you know, maintenance type type patient. That's so cool. And, and again, how do they know to even find you to seek you out? Does someone, is it someone like a, um, a physician recommends it or it's usually just, you know, family and friends and running groups and Facebook and those types? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit, sometimes like I've had some people um, come from, come from their physicians, but oftentimes it's more like their acupuncturist or their Pilates instructor or a little bit more of the, but the word of mouth really. Wow. That's pretty cool. So let's say someone's coming to you and uh, again, they're athletic. What what are sort of the top high level things you go over with them or work with them on or teach them to help them remain athletic during pregnancy? So it depends on like what their what their activity is, right? If they're a runner, we're going to look at their run form and just be like, okay, what what is going to change? Because ultimately, you know, throughout the course of pregnancy in any, in any person, their postural system completely changes their center of gravity changes, how they compensate for that change is really unique per person. You know, there's the standard typical compensations that you would see because baby only grows one way, really. It's only in the abdomen and it's only, it's only in one spot. That change, that, that change in, in center of gravity is going to maybe affect whatever they want to do. So like I said, if it's running, we're going we're gonna to talk through how to maintain control in their run form. Like maybe they need a little bit more knee drive. Maybe they need to lead with their pelvis a little bit more versus letting the belly fall, like fall forward. Simple cues like that. And again, if they're lifting, we go through lifting mechanics with that change in mind and how to more so how to like keep them doing what they want with modifications that are going to allow their muscular system and them to like as a as a person to to stay healthy. Wow. Do you find that for the women who are seeking you out that their expectations are greater than you think is appropriate or less than you think is appropriate? Meaning are they coming to you saying I'm trying to run the Ironman and you're like dude, back off versus <laughs> versus versus to like Hey, I'm a big runner. Can I walk down the block? And you're like, no, you can run. I'm just trying to, cause I mean, everyone's, <laughs> you know, cause people are always, you know, ask me these questions and it's people are always one direction or the other. It's so fascinating. I'm just curious what, what's your experience been? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of both. Like I, I find less, less so probably the people that are like, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm running Boston marathon while you're doing this. It's like, okay, well let's like, let's talk about how that's going to look like there's, there's, it's probably fewer of those people versus like, 
more of a generalized hesitancy towards what yeah. they can do it's more of like what how do, how do i get there safely and I, most of the time it's it's like boosting them being like no you you can if you did this before you can stay after there might have to be some modifications to it and we can talk through what that looks like but oftentimes it's more of that versus the person who's trying to do all the things while they're while they're still pregnant or even really really soon postpartum then i then i have to pump the brakes a little bit yeah i think i think that in my experience there's definitely more women who underestimate their uh, ability to exercise during pregnancy uh, or maybe Absolutely. not just a, maybe not just ability but the sort of like the allowance for it meaning because yeah. there's so much messaging from from doctors from you know whatever the general public that pregnant women are very delicate and should not exercise mm -hmm. and should you know lie in mm -hmm. bed all day and drink green <laughs> smoothies or whatever it might be <laughs> and that's it and and i think that okay like there's obviously like you said there's some modification has to take place and there has to be some, you know, you know, thinking about it, but most pregnant women can exercise. And again, it's really Absolutely. just about not getting hurt. It's not so much the cardiovascular, the business with the heart rates, a bunch of hooey bluey. It's really right. just, you know, it's making sure that they can stay fit without injuring themselves. Because as you said, the body changes in pregnancy, both, you know, sort of physically in an obvious way, but also the joints change and the laxity, of the joints change and people's posture changes. So their back changes, like everything sort of changes. And so I think that some people can just figure it out on their own and they sort of use their, you know, the cues from, you know, what hurts and what doesn't and sort of adjust. But I can see why it'd be really helpful to proactively, you know, see a professional and say, hey, I'm thinking of continuing to run. And you talk about, okay, let's talk about your gait. Let's talk about your speed. Let's talk about, you know, you know what shoes you wear. I mean, there's a lot of things that might yeah. have to change that you don't think about. That's pretty cool. I like that. I like that people find you for this. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's fun too, because oftentimes that if we can, there's, there's particular muscles that get over lengthened in pregnancy, right? Like no matter what your ab wall is going to get like get lengthened. It, it can't not similarly with pelvic floor, it's taking way more of an intra abdominal load than it has ever. So there's, there's in those in particular, like no matter what, if somebody's seeing me during pregnancy, I'm making sure that they understand how to connect with those muscles. They understand that they can, it's healthy to have them contract and relax and generate blood flow. And that's how we keep muscles healthy. They like movement. So sometimes I find that people are really afraid of using their abs during pregnancy, which is it, it, I, again, just messaging in the, in the community, but those abs like to be used and they have to stay. That's how we, that's how the recovery postpartum is even easier is when things don't atrophy and, and get, you know, deconditioned over, over the period of time. So no matter what, like making sure that they know how to, how to handle those muscles. I find that even if they're not trying to run five miles a day or whatever, finding, making sure that they can keep particular muscle groups healthy and, and balanced and, and keep their mind body um, connection to those muscles. It can be super helpful to maintain stability along the pregnancy, but also have that connection postpartum that's just there. Yeah. I mean, people always say to me, oh, I know that I can't do crunches. I'm like, why can't you do crunches? And I'm always like, like bewildered by that. They're like, well, and they'll, they'll sort of like pause and they'll say, well, it's, <laughs> it's they think for a while and they're like, it's going to hurt the baby. And I'm like, no, it's not going to hurt the baby. I'm like, well, how is that going to hurt the baby? Like it's, you know, yeah. it's, it's again, I, I get it. Like people don't, they don't spend a lot of time thinking about this and they've been told you, you can't work your abs during pregnancy. Yeah. And I, yeah. I just, it's, it's the opposite. You probably should work your abs because those are the ones Absolutely. that are really getting stretched out and, you know, getting thinner. And also there's such an important part of the core. And if you don't work your abs, your back might hurt. And so it's, it's, it's exactly. all connected. I mean, these things, these things are connected one to the other somehow. And it's, you know, I know you know how, but it's, it's really, 
it's important. So people, you know, who are doing things like yoga or Pilates or some sort of core workout, their backs tend to be a lot better when they're pregnant. They don't hurt as much because they're really keeping that, that area strength, you know, strengthened and healthy. And it's helping keeping their posture upright as opposed to just the weight of the pregnancy, pulling everything forward. Exactly. Wow. Cool stuff. So what do you do for women during pregnancy uh, in preparation of the pelvic floor that's going to get uh, altered during delivery, let's say, right. for lack right. of a better word? Altered. <laughs> <laughs> kind of similar to the abs. It's it's just another set of muscle groups. And I think sometimes people forget that, you know, but it's just it, because of the location and what it, you know, where it is. Like, obviously, it's a huge function of bowel and bladder and sexual function, but also like it, it controls a lot of intraabdominal pressure. And that's, that's a lot of force during pregnancy. So from a just exercise perspective, making sure that they understand, okay, this is how it contracts. This is how it relaxes. Knowing how that relates to, especially maybe closer to, to that labor and delivery point, knowing how that relates to labor and delivery, like, okay, we don't want to contract. We want to make sure we're opening and lengthening during that process. And, you know, I usually have my patients stop doing any sort of contract work for pelvic floor around like 33, 34 weeks, just because there's no, there's no need to kind of put more of that load into it. It just needs to make sure that we can lengthen it out. So first and foremost, the awareness, because then again, that mind body connection postpartum is really, really helpful for, for healing, depending on you know, whatever, whatever happens in, in the delivery room. And then beyond that too, part of being a pelvic floor therapist is doing some manual work and having that be number one, a form of feedback for the patient, because in that case, you know, they could be a little bit disconnected. So, you know, if they're contracting, I can give them feedback of like, okay, this, is, this needs to be a little stronger or stronger, or we need to work through the relaxation a little bit. It really depends on, on the patient. And then from there, we can do, like I said, some of that man, manual therapy for the perineal tissue to make sure that just like any other skin muscle tissue, it's hydrated and it feels, it feels like it has give so that during potentially like a vaginal delivery, there's a little bit more blood flow, a little bit more stretch to go around to hopefully the goal is to prevent severe tear and grade one, grade two, you know, really depend on the baby and the person. But the the, the more severe tears that require more recovery postpartum are what the goal of trying to generate blood flow, generate more muscle awareness and pliability in that area really, really go for. And when you say feedback, do you mean with like an exam and you're saying, you know, left, right, you know, more or less, or is it with uh, sort of like a manometer, some sort of like pressure probe that you use? It's, it's usually with, with like a manual exam, like my finger, but they do, there, there are plenty of things on the market that you can use that you can play a game on your phone and be like, oh, this is what's happening. And, and it's, you know, that biofeedback loop. Right. And so in terms of women who come to you postpartum, I'm going to ask you the same sort of percentages that I asked you before, how many are coming to you because- I'm postpartum, I'm in pain, I'm having a hard time recovering, I'm having incontinence versus sort of maintenance. Like I had my baby, let's sort of, what do I need to do to get, you know, back, you know, back in my Pilates class or, you know, back doing my, you know, CrossFit or running or whatever it is. So I would say that goes more maybe 50-50. Like it's, it, I, I find that it, you know, it depends on what's going on at home. Do they have support? Can they get out? Like how are they handling new motherhood and whatnot? I do find that probably more often they're coming because they're having some sort of incontinence or pain with sex or, or most of the time they, they, they are coming to me for that. I do. I think it's becoming more and more common for women to seek me out just to be like, okay, I know I want to run in 
eight weeks? Like, how do I, how do I do that safely? Or, you know what I mean? Like having, having that goal. Um, But I do find that there's usually some sort of pain associated with it. Um, and then you have some people who are just like, oh, I know that I, I tore a little bit. Can we like make sure my scar is mobile because I want to have another child or make sure my pelvic floor is is okay. Um, but definitely more, a little bit more balanced on that, that postpartum end. Yeah, I think that makes sense because I think most women, if not all, are going to have some sort of pain of after delivery. Yeah. And there's right. a very high percentage they are going to have some sort of incontinence. I mean, fortunately, with time, a lot of it gets better, but not all of it. And it may not take, it may not come as quickly as you'd like. So when you're seeing her is it normally within a couple weeks after delivery or normally you know after four eight weeks you know i kind of get it's it's a it's a pretty wide variety um i usually tell especially when i'm able to see them in pregnancy and i know that they have a grasp on like okay you can start you know finding those abs as soon as you feel comfortable finding your pelvic floor and just like engaging those muscles if i know that they have that i'm like give yourself four to six weeks just to heal and just to adapt to the fact that you now have an infant so most of the time i'm not seeing people immediately postpartum mm-hmm. um just from a healing perspective they have they need some time just to heal in general but it, it it does tend to lead into a little farther down the line when they want to get back into more intense exercise and these things are coming up and it's uncomfortable or either they're like pain incontinence or or they want to make sure that they're doing it safely to not hurt themselves down the road putting aside the women who want to get into more heavy exercise so let's just talk about sort of you know quote unquote typical uh births women whatnot what would be your advice to women as to, okay, everyone's going to have some sort of symptoms after birth, right? Everyone's going to have some pain, maybe a little bit of incontinence here or there. At what point do you think they should start seeking you out or someone like you? I mean, at what point you say, all right, this is not normal, so to speak, or this is something we treat. Is it is it like everybody with any symptom or is it after X amount of time or a certain amount of like severity? How How would you advise women? And I Obviously, we're we're totally cool with you saying they should see you right away. But you know, so what, what would you think is sort of? <laughs> I'm a little biased. Yeah, and it's just fine. Okay, listen. I mean, you you work with them and you see the results, and that's great. But you know, let's say not everyone can go to physical therapists after birth. Like, what would you say is a good benchmark for women uh, to know? All right, if this is happening, you probably should seek someone out. If there's no like, you know, like if people people heal really well, and if that that feels completely fine. I mean, there are in other countries like immediately post-birth, they, they get a script and they go to pelvic floor PT, at least for an evaluation to see like, okay, what's happening here? How can we help these muscles along? But I would say like after that four to six week mark, like if everything is cleared by your OBGYN and you're still having discomfort, like if they say you can go back to exercise, but you don't feel comfortable, there's there's plenty of people that can help you get there. Or if you're having pain, like if there's if there's a significant amount of pain and it, it doesn't sit right you know whether that be c-section scar um or or you know in the in the perineum if the the vaginal tissue doesn't feel great for for any reason even a little bit of guidance whether it be one visit or, or or a few could be can be really really helpful what about with incontinence so incontinence i usually say like in the first couple you know week like first couple weeks the the pelvic floor is just like coming to everything is coming back to its normal space and and all of that i kind of go on the same on the same realm like if they're still having incontinence and they've been cleared by their doctor for exercise that can be taken care of yeah i think that makes a lot of sense i think it's probably unnecessary in a routine situation to seek anyone out within the first four weeks and probably after six weeks if you're still having 
pain or incontinence. Again, it may go away on its own, but that's probably a reasonable time to seek someone out. Four to six weeks is sort of that gray zone. And also, usually people don't see their doctors at four weeks postpartum. It's usually six. Why that is, whatever. It's sort of random. But, you know, okay. So I'd say four, I think earlier than four is probably a little early. And after six yeah. is probably really an appropriate time um, for women to seek you out. And what kind of things would you do with them to, to make it better? Again, with incontinence or with pain um, after birth. So... Definitely have a pelvic exam of seeing is the is the pelvic floor functioning how we how we wanted to sometimes whether whatever the the mode of delivery either like I find often with sometimes with C section the pelvic floor actually compensatorily gets really tight because this, the abdominal wall has been cut into and there needs to be a form of stability so incontinence can be from a variety it, it, it's not always just weakness. Um, that can cause it. Sometimes it's the pelvic floor is too tight. There's no give. So when you cough or sneeze, you know, there's there's no room for anything to to move. Um, so really kind of finding out why, like figuring out what's what's happening as to what's causing the incontinence. And then working on whatever that might be. So if if it's too tight, we'd be like, okay, how can we make sure that the ab wall is a little bit stronger, that we're working through lengthening the pelvic floor, making sure that we're managing those intra those pressures in the abdomen a little bit better. Um, and if it's if it's weakness, okay, is the is the scar moving? Like, is if there is a perineal scar or anything? Like, is 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 the tissue healthy and moving so that it can accept load and accept work yeah. um, in the right way? And what about the other group of women, the ones who aren't, let's say, having symptoms, uh, but the ones who sort of saw you during pregnancy, you know, prophylactically, and now the same concept after birth, and they're like, listen, I'm a runner, I want to get back into running, and I'm going to come see you. Uh, what do you do with them? So making sure that they're kind of starting out. Strength is is number one goal. Even if if your if your goal is running, if your goal is is really anything, because your body just went through a an enormous muscular transformation. Making sure that their body feels stable is a hundred percent my like first my first step. So key key target muscles like in general are going to be your abs, your pelvic floor, making sure your your hamstrings and your glutes are everything's keeping everything really solid. And then from there. Starting to, whether like for, we'll use the example of a runner, starting to load the system in whether that be single leg and then starting to work towards a little bit more plyometrics. So jumping, making sure that the system can tolerate it because if they, you know, depending if they, they have to run in pregnancy because it didn't feel good. Okay. We have to recondition the system to adapt to those forces. And if for the pelvic floor, I know people are, are very that's a hesitancy with running and, and the pelvic floor is that they're going to have prolapse or they're going to have leakage or, or whatnot. So really just kind of slowly but surely giving them a program that is challenging and loading the pelvic floor through jumping plyometrics or weight, and then transferring that into more running specific type things. So doing some drills, making sure that everything feels good with that. And then getting back into a running program. I'm a huge fan of intervals for both pregnancy and postpartum in general. Like it's just a, such a better way to, you know, work the system. So often you hear people, they're like, oh, I'm just going to go do a really slow mile. It's like, okay, well, what does that do? It, it When you go slower than you are, you're normally used to, your cadence slows down, your ground contact time increases. So the, the true like actual gravitational load on your, on your body is pretty is pretty high compared to if you're like all right I'm gonna do a minute on and thirty seconds off when you're running you're running and it it feels there's 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 control in that and then if you're walking you're walking and the gravitational load doesn't really change very much so I'm all about intervals for 
not only trying to run during pregnancy if it feels uncomfortable, but also getting back into it. Plus, it's a great way to just cardiovascularly kind of train your system. Oh, that's so interesting. Now, wow, that is really interesting. I never thought about it that way with the the gravitational load and all that when you're running slowly, that you're hitting the ground yeah. a lot more in that sense. That could be a, a reason that people have incontinence with running postpartum is that they, they're running slower than they're used to. And there's just so much more like pounding on the body that, right. you know, when you're, when you're normally running, the entire muscular system is like trying to be explosive in a, in a sense, right? Like everything is trying to get you to progress forward and up. Um, but when you're spending more time on the ground, there's just so much more time, especially on a, on a relatively locked system, right? Like, the the all of the joints are a little bit more lax too so the muscular system has to compensate even more than it's used to so if it can't handle that load that's when things can start to go awry well and so when people are coming to you for this uh, again we're talking about sort of the group without specific complaints they're coming to just sort of get back into exercise and you talk about a, a program is that something where they need to see you once or twice a week or is you sort of see them and check back with them in three weeks you know give them sort of like an exercise regimen how does that work or is it i assume it's tailored for every person but what's typical yeah, it, it's definitely tailored for every person, but I'm I'm usually not wanting to see them two times in a week, just because if, if that if they're not coming to me for pain, if there's if there's nothing acute rel like that we have to work on that requires like hands-on skill, and it's more of just like okay, let's see how you're adapting. You need time to be able to do that, so that might look like once a week for the first couple of weeks to really keep an eye on things, and then have it space out. It could be every two weeks. Generally, if there's no like acute pains that we have to work through that I'm like really wanting to keep my eye on. It's, it's much more spaced out because you need to have the time to like do, do the work and, and see, see how it feels. And oftentimes, you know, with, with new moms, it's finagling the schedule is also difficult as well. So I try and give them as much time so that there's, there's not pressure to be like, Oh, I have PT next week. I have to make sure I like do my stuff. You know, there's, there needs to be that, that variability and adaptability. I find that a lot of postpartum women, um, also underestimate their ability to get active again. Uh, and, fre and frequently this is because they're told you're not allowed to do anything until six weeks, mm -hmm. which I think is um, incorrect. I mean, obviously if you have a C-section, it's a little bit different because just pain's going to limit you. I mean, right. you know, it's not that it's like dangerous to the body. It's not like your incision is going to open up if you're active. It's just going to hurt. And so it's, it's not really you know, it's not gonna be enjoyable and it's gonna limit you and you're gonna be, you know, using other muscles to sort of compensate. It's 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 gonna be unpleasant. But for someone at a vaginal delivery, uh, you know, I usually tell them whenever you're up to it, like it's fine with me, you know, I say start slowly because obviously you wanna, you know, not, you know, injure yourself. And my general rule of thumb is, and this is true for women with a C-section too, is if you're doing something and it does not hurt you, it's probably okay. But if you start, you know, pushing yourself to the point that you have pain, uh, then probably you need to back off. And this is again during the first, you know, four sessions. Very few people are doing any exercise in the first two to two weeks, three weeks. Some people feel great after two or three weeks and are ready to start. I would say most people are probably ready by four weeks and they're usually holding back because someone's told them they have to hold back. Exactly. And I like I, I find that too. It's like, well, if, if you, you know, what's what's your definition of exercise? You're squatting down to pick up the baby multiple times a day. You're you're doing all these things. Like, you know, th that's work, that's load. And if you feel good that's, that's your body's way of being like, okay, maybe let's like go for a longer walk or whatever it might be. Like it's, I think some, that, that six week mark is very, it's just a number, right? So yeah. it, it depends on how your delivery was. And, and some people feel still need a little bit more recovery. It yeah. really depends on the, on the person. So yeah. 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 Birth can be, birth can be rough. On a lot of people, yeah, no question yeah, about it. Yeah, it could really absolutely. beat someone up and 
yeah, there's definitely people who need well more than six weeks to recover physically uh, from their birth. And I, I do think it's really more about, you know, I mean, it sounds, you know, kooky, but, you know, the listen to your body stuff. Uh, it's true. You know, like it's real. It's real. You know, people, you get feedback from your body. You know, if, if you're doing something and your body doesn't like it, it'll tell you. Right. Very Absolutely. quickly. I tell and... you all the time. I'm like, you know, your body better than anyone else. And it's going to tell you the hard part is, is making sure that people listen to it, right. <laughs> which depending like, you know, I, 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 with those people who are like, oh, I'm going to run like this triathlon during pregnancy, they have a, a history likely of like shutting down some of those signals. So in those cases, you got to <laughs> rein it in. But oftentimes your body will tell you what's up. You just got to listen. So Alicia, all of our listeners are obviously now, you know, totally obsessed and infatuated with you. How, <laughs> how could they find you? My business is called Fortify Physical Therapy. Uh, that website is just fortifypt.com. All my contact info is there. I'm located in Chelsea in Manhattan over on 26th Street. Uh, I am on Instagram as well. I underscore PT. I know. Trying, <laughs> trying to up my Instagram game. Trying to do my best. And what was it? Sorry, I interrupted your, your whatever it's called. Your tag, your hashtag, your address, whatever you call it on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Fortify underscore PT. Beautiful. Alicia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This is really thank you. Uh, enlightening to me. And I, I really love the idea of preventative care uh, for women who are pregnant or postpartum. Uh, again, if you have the time, if you have the, you know, the means, if you have the, the wherewithal to sort of get ahead of a lot of this, I think it can be really beneficial. Uh, and for those who can't or don't or won't, obviously, if things start hurting, or you're having, you know, symptoms, it's important to be on them pretty quickly because they're they're usually treatable uh, if you really if you focus on it and see the right people. So I'm really happy that you exist <laughs> for, for all my patients. That for, that's for sure, uh, and also for our listeners. You know, many whom uh, either they can see you personally or someone like you around the country, around the world, wherever they are. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. We will see you around. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Healthful Woman Podcast. To learn more about our podcast, please visit our website at www.healthfulwoman.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-W-O-M-A-N.com. If you have any questions about this podcast or any other topic you would like us to address, please feel free to email us at hw at healthfulwoman.com. Have a great day. The information discussed in Healthful Woman is intended for educational uses only. It does not replace medical care from your physician. Healthful Woman is meant to expand your knowledge of women's health and does not replace ongoing care from your regular physician or gynecologist. We encourage you to speak with your doctor about specific diagnoses and treatment options for an effective treatment plan. Paid sponsors of the podcast are not involved in the creation of the podcast or any of the content. Support for our sponsors should not be interpreted as medical advice from the podcast, the host, or the guests.